0: Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we worship you and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that at just the right time and in just the right way, he came. He came to show us more of yourself, to show us a way of life, to forgive us of our sins, to give us a hope for a future and for eternity. And we pray today that as we think about him even more carefully, that you would prompt in our hearts and our minds and stir our affections to follow him even more faithfully. In his name we pray, amen. It's good to have a king. Now I know that in 2017, in the United States of America, the idea of having a king might seem to us to be rather foreign or undesirable. But I want to tell you this morning that it is good for us To have a king. And in fact, God designed each one of us to follow the rule of a king. Our problem throughout history has been the competition of bad kings to win over our affections or to rule over our lives. I mean, for example, just earlier this year, the fast food giant, the burger king, decided to set up shop in the backyard of another king. They opened their first franchise in the country of Belgium. And another king, King Philip of Belgium, took notice. And as Burger King set up shop in the backyard of the other king, they began an online campaign which asked the users of their website, Who is the king? And it allowed them to vote for who they wanted their king to be, the cartoon version of King Philippe or the fictional Burger King. Two kings, one single crown. Who shall reign? The question was asked. Now, unfortunately, the mock election caught notice of the royal family, and they expressed their public disapproval and quickly had the campaign shut down. Because at the end of the day, it appears that King Philip and the Burger King have at least one point of view in common. There can only be one king. This season, we've been celebrating and exploring together the different portraits of Christmas, the different pictures that God gives about the importance of the coming of Jesus. We've seen that Jesus is the portrait of promise, that he is the portrait of light, In the darkness. And today I want to briefly look at with you what the Bible says about Jesus being the portrait of a king. Because kings have been a blessing for humankind. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but since the very early times of human history, we see that God's major covenants, nearly all of his major covenants, or promises to humankind anticipate or look forward to the establishment of an eternal king. And today I just want to point out a few of those for you as we walk through different sections of the Bible. The first is found in Genesis chapter 17. In the very early time, God says to Abraham, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. But your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations. And kings shall come from you. The promise of kings was a blessing to Abraham and to his offspring represented in all of the nations for generation after generation to come. But the eternal king that he is alluding to does not just come from any old line of kings. There is a specific promise for a specific line. Because after Abraham's people, Israel, were formed into a nation, we see that they chose to recognize some pretty bad kings. Kings that did not follow God, nor his ways. And so God raised up for them... A king after his own heart, King David. And this king would give all of humanity a picture of the eternal king that was to come. He was tender, but strong. He was confident, yet at the same time dependent on God. He was not vengeful, nor did his kingdom prove to be ruled by the pressures of outsiders nor the pursuit of his own personal gain. And in fact, the eternal King Jesus would come from this line of kings as it was promised. Second Samuel chapter 7 tells us as much. Thus says the Lord of hosts, it says in verse 8, I took you from the pasture, being King David, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And this shows that God chose to use one of those who was lowly in the eyes of people. And he chose to make him great in the eyes of heaven. This humble and sincere King David would be established, his line, his throne for all of eternity. And it would be established through King Jesus because the same held true for him. When he came, he came as one who was humble, lowly in the eyes of humankind, but great in the eyes of heaven. And his throne would last forever. And so you're seeing just a taste of the Old Testament anticipation for the establishment of an eternal king. And and maybe what we could say is this, that God blesses us through establishing an eternal king. God blesses us through establishing an eternal king. And the call is to follow him. And we do follow him because this king and this kingdom has the promise of true peace attached to it. One of the famous verses that you hear read at Christmas, Isaiah chapter 9. Seven, eight hundred years before Jesus came, the prophet rose up and would tell about this king and his kingdom of peace. And he said, for to us a child is born and for us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so you fast forward 700 years, Jesus arrives on the scene and all of the events surrounding his birth and his arrival have element of kingship type activities to it, a star, In the sky, that only God Himself could put there as a sign of the King who has come. A host of angels fit for a king announcing His arrival. The distinguished wise men coming to give Him gifts that one would only give to a king. And the sitting earthly King upon His throne, King Herod that would immediately try to kill off this potential successor to his throne. But this king is establishing a different kind of kingdom. The kingdom he establishes, King Jesus, is spiritual first and foremost. And that spiritual kingdom becomes a physical reality in eternity And so for right now, the kingdom of Jesus is spiritual, and spiritually speaking, we might define this kingdom as the rule of God in the hearts and minds of those who've put their faith in King Jesus. It's the rule of God in your heart and in your mind. You become a member of the kingdom. And in this sense, each and every one of us can become part of this kingdom. Matthew 13, Jesus tells us that this kingdom that he's ruling is more valuable than anything else in the entire world. That people would sell everything that they had and anything that they had if only they could acquire it. But you can't buy it. You can only gain access to this kingdom through faith and surrender to the king. And so at the end of his life, Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate, and Pilate said to him in John chapter 18, So, you are a king? And he answered, You say that I am a king. And for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. God blesses us through establishing an eternal king. So let us follow him. I wonder who you think about when you think about a king. I wonder who pops into your mind. Perhaps you think about yourself. (laughs) Because deep down inside, many of us want to be our own king, the king of our own reality. After all, it is the democratic way. One quick search on the internet, who is the king, will reveal a variety of beliefs and sources that people have attained. And in fact, it's not surprising that a recent episode of the all important old game show, A Family Feud, just asked this particular question Who is the king? And guess what people answered? of people said the king is obviously Elvis Presley. 7% said God or Jesus. 3% said Martin Luther King Jr. 2% said the Burger King. LeBron James didn't make the list. But who do you think of? Who do you think of when you think of the king? And maybe another side to that same question as we tie some of these ideas together is what do you think of when you think about the baby Jesus who comes on Christmas? Do you think of a precious, weak baby in a manger? Maybe you think of a children's program, a live retelling like we had here in the service this morning. Maybe you do think about the Son of God but a son of God who only exercises power in specific instances or in abstract types of ways. Or maybe you think of the coming of this baby as a reason from the distant past to have a festive celebration in the present. Or, or do you think of this as the true coming of the eternal king, Jesus. The only one who can rightly exercise justice. The one whose way is love and sacrifice. The only one who will ultimately bring peace to all humanity in eternity. God blesses us through the establishing of an eternal king. And the king has come. So let us follow him. I leave you with this parting thought. Not only has the king come, but he's coming again. And we see at the end of the story of the Bible, as we see woven through this idea of a king, the establishment of an eternal king that all people are called to follow and surrender to, that this king makes a promise. It says in Revelation chapter 22 Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming again. Amen. Come Lord Jesus.